Hey y'all, welcome to Cross Politic on the Fight Laugh Feast Network. It's good to be with you. We got a substitute here. Okay, he's substitute subbing in. He's subbing in for Pastor Toby. Yeah. We got yeah. Pastor Jared Longshore, Chuck Knox on the water boy, and the guy, you know, Summer's dad is in the studio. Yeah, James White. James White is in the studio. Yeah, yeah. It'll, it'll come back. And we have a full studio audience here too. Big studio audience. No, no kids though. No one brought any kids. We do got a bun in the oven over there, don't we? Okay. okay, I'm glad we do because that would have been bad if I didn't. Uh, are we baptizing right. that bun in the oven once it's delivered? <laughs> oh, we're going to have that I conversation. Get, okay. All right. All right. I, just, I was just wondering. They're Don't. buying us lunch afterwards, so oh, you'd be nice. okay. You'd be nice. As long as Jane White's not there, then we can have this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> right. You coming to the debate tonight? Of course. Well, you mean today, this afternoon or whatever? What? This afternoon? Yeah. Can I, can I say something real quick about the debate? Yeah. Isn't it an odd jump, though, to go just to talk about pedo communion? Why not? No. What, it, gives, just, it gives you a complete unique direction and a different light. I like that. I've yeah. done I've done I've done pedo baptism many yeah. times. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Who how was the last time you heard a debate on this subject between a credo baptist, covenantal credo baptist yeah. and someone who holds pedo communion? Yeah. You've never heard it. Never. No. First time ever. So why not do something that right. that would could possibly give a little bit of a different perspective? We're all we all know all, all of our arguments on the other side. Yeah. But you've never heard this, so why not? So right. are you going to argue against pedo-communion? Well, actually, everyone by the time the show is released, no, no, everyone no, will Doug know what he's just arguing. taking the same side, but that's what we're, we're going to be debating a ghost. But, but here's, <laughs> a, well, here's, the, here's the thing. Most Baptists, if they ever convert over to Presbyterianism, which is Presbyterianism, which is the gap, they're already consistent in thinking that pedo-communion follows. So you're going to argue that it doesn't follow if you're Presbyterian. No, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that... Specifically, when we talk about the Lord's Supper, it is an ordinance of the new covenant, and Move therefore, that mic up closer to you. and therefore, we have very, very clear biblical references as to what qualifies you to partake in that. Much more so than in baptism. So, you guys are trying to be consistent. I did a debate with an OPC minister, and people said afterwards, "Yeah, but they don't do pedo communion, so you need to debate somebody else." So, I debated Greg Strawbridge. Yeah, uh, the late Greg Greg Strawbridge, right. who interestingly enough did not actually believe that Doug practices pedal communion. He uh, didn't at the time of that debate. No, in about twenty twenty one, he did a he did a thing on pedal communion, and he said, "Yeah, I'm I, I'm." He takes a, a more strict view and a younger person view, uh-huh. you know, because Doug's talking about there there has to be at least you know the one year old wants to partake type of a situation. He's talking. He was talking strict intinction. You like know, take eye droplet and uh, you almost, know, um, yeah. squirt it in the baby's mouth. Basic, basic. That <laughs> Strawbridge, that Strawbridge uh, White debate is online. It's on YouTube. Oh, they all are. They all are. Okay, okay. this, sound, this sounds like a third segment yeah, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, Let's get there. Let's get there. This episode is brought to you by Dime Payments. Dime Payments is a Christian-owned processing payment business. Every business needs a payment process system. I wish Toby was here to read this. So please go to <laughs> dimepayments.com forward slash FLF and sign up your business. Working with them supports us. They won't cancel you like Stripe canceled President Trump. Shame on them. They won't cancel you like MailChimp canceled the Babylon Bee. Shame on them. And check them out. At least have a phone call and tell them Cross Politics sent you. Go to dimepayments.com forward slash FLF. Go support the people who support us. That's right. Yeah. The Florida Anti-Groomer Bill or as liberals want to call it, the don't say gay bill. You remember that? Mm -hmm. Remember that? Mm -hmm. It's still going on. It's bringing out all the crazies now. Okay, it's getting crazier. And as a reminder, this bill never mentions the word gay and is actually kind of a silly bill in that it makes it illegal for public school teachers to talk about sex with K through third graders. Fourth graders are ready, though. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, they they still have limitations on fourth through six. But specifically, yeah, yeah. In that case. Yeah, you know, we had to tell the liberals to chill out with talking about sex with first graders. That's, uh, but but, uh, the crazy is not just limited to the liberals here. Um, here is Matthew Dowd, former chief strategist for the Bush-Cheney campaign during Easter week, talking about, oops, I'm, I'm clicking the wrong uh, button here, talking about the anti-groomer bill. Easter holidays. And the Easter holidays, the entire message of the Gospels of the Easter holidays was love one another. And I have said this before, and I'll say it again. If Jesus Christ was alive today, he would be called a groomer. He would be called woke and he would be called a socialist if he was alive today. If he was speaking the message he spoke in the Gospels today about treating everybody with dignity, Jesus Christ hung around with prostitutes and tax collectors. He was nailed to a cross because he spoke on behalf of the most marginalized people in the Middle East. 
And the idea that certain segment of our population has tried to capture the faith and corrupt a message that I may have been a follower of since I was baptized. Yeah, seriously. Uh, It's hard to win. Uh, Yeah. It's hard to win um, as conservatives when these are the kind of guys leading our conservative movement for the past 18 years. Oh, you know, seriously. But um, note something you might have already missed. He said, if if Jesus was alive today. <laughs> yeah, he is. Which is, which is tied to the, he made his mistake right up front because he said the entire message of Easter is love one another. Right. Yeah. No, wrong. That, yeah. that, that's why he doesn't know that Jesus is alive today. <laughs> yeah, the entire right. message of Easter is that Jesus Christ <laughs> rose from the dead. Exactly. So he's alive, and lukewarm Christians like Matthew will answer for their feminine, soft, gay theology that he just presented us. Now, you might be wondering why or how he connected the idea that Jesus would be called a groomer. Well, it appears, I'm, I'm speculating a little bit here, he was, he was alluding to the text in Matthew where Jesus says, Do not prohibit the little children from coming to me. And apparently making it illegal for a public school teacher to talk about sex with a first grader is prohibitive. But this is what you would call wonk theology, not not woke, I'm putting, you know, wonk theology, which is like woke theology, but for conservatives who have a deep desire to be liked and respected by liberals. That's wonk theology. He wants to be respected by liberals. We also call this cool shamming. And the reality is that Jesus, as Jesus would say, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea than to cause one of these little ones who believe in me to sin. And that's what he's doing. I'm so busy watching James White put his head back together after he exploded from listening to that clip. I I, I had heard it. I had seen it. And... You know, the only thing, thing I had, I wasn't looking at the fact that he wasn't saying Jesus is alive. You don't expect these people to, re- they're not living in the reality that Jesus is alive. That's yeah, not right. a part that's of right. everyday That's experience. right. That's why he says that so stuff. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not overly shocked by any of that stuff. But when I saw who he was and what he was associated with, look, as we look around today, what are we looking for? What, when we see changes, like right now, hey, there's been some pushback against woke stuff. And, you know, it's enough for us to sort of go, hey, no, that's sort of positive. That's sort of positive. You know what I'm looking for? I'm looking for the reasons why. If the reasons why are just, I want to have my comforts and my stuff, and I yeah, want to go quote unquote right. back to normal, mm-hmm. that's, that's not the right reason. Yeah. When I see people pushing back because they recognize that the worldview that has started this insanity is actually evil and destructive, yeah. okay, then, then I'm seeing progress being made. Yeah. But if it's just selfish, if it's just I want to be alone. able to have mm-hmm. a lower gas prices and all the food that I want, mm-hmm. um, that's not going to, that's not, that's not. So special. you're saying leave it in the oven a little longer until you understand the foundations of the problem. Well, I'm just looking at someone like this going, uh, conservative? Yeah. We need to 100%. really recognize that people who call themselves conservatives, unless they have a worldview that has some type of meaningful understanding of who we are as creatures of God, they're never going to be able to hold their position. You know what? They're, they're just slow motion progressives. That's all. They're just yeah. going a little yeah, bit slower. Exactly. That's, that's all. Well, but the other side, though, is that we have cr- conservative Christians who actually should be engaged in the world who actually aren't using their worldview and applying it oh, at all. So yeah. with, at least for this guy, he's at least taken his worldview, bumped, messed up theological worldview, and saying I'm, theology I'm, uh, or, or shaming, which is like I'm, cool I'm not shame, but okay. Cool anyway, but, and he's taking it. He's directly applying it to all of the issues. He's applying it to education. He's applying it to Disney. He's applying mm-hmm. it to the government, mm-hmm. and he's assuming something about his false Christ that it applies to the whole of the world. Mm-hmm. We can barely get Christians to be concerned <laughs> about their own children in education, yeah. and he's already involved in how the whole world operates based off his false theology. Doc, we we need an overhaul on a theological worldview that applies to the world we're actually in and not in one way or another i guess this dispensational idea that separates god's the gospel from the world that that we actually live in and so at least i know he's messed up and he's got some problems but man i would take a christian that understands a little and knows how to apply that little to the world that we actually live in right now uh, the thing is, uh, he is on MSNBC. He's got a Texas hat on him. That's sorry. no, I'm that's sorry. no, amen to him. Yeah, no, no, no none of these things are, are to him. But I think kind of what we're seeing is a real failure of kind of your generation's conservative <laughs> leadership. I don't, I don't. I, I mean, it's, it's, well, uh, it's true. It, it wasn't leadership. It was, it was a full in. We we bought into the myth of neutrality. Yeah, we, mm, we yeah. believed. Bonson that, tried to tell y'all. It, well, but but this was before Bonson. Mm. I mean, you know, I'm looking at how I was raised and and how my parents were raised. And there was very clearly within a fundamentalist mindset, 
the myth of neutrality, that the government was over there, the government did what the government did, the government was going to leave us alone, uh-huh. we, you know, we're, mm-hmm. we're, we're going to be fine, and so the church just gets to be this spiritual place where, yeah. you know, we, we do our thing. Uh, we bought into it. And wow. so yeah. when, when the sexual revolution starts, we won't even talk about it. Yeah. We won't even talk about it. I mean, I think about my grandparents, and they would absolutely turn over in their graves if they ever thought, that we would have to have the conversations that we. I just did a I just did a presentation up in Magna, Utah, on my way up here. Okay. Uh, on uh, male and female created he them, you know, basically uh, human sexuality. And I, I said at the start, I said the generations before us never would. They'd have no grounds to even be able to understand why we'd be having this conversation. Wow. wow. I mean, seriously. Yeah. I, I, they didn't even talk about it within the church. Mm-hmm. That was just a, you, you don't go there or we're never going to need to go there. Yeah. Mm. And so we've been behind the eight ball. We've been behind the curve trying to catch up for yeah. a long, 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 long time. I want to ask yeah. you about that. Yeah. I want to talk That's to you good. about that because I have a question yeah. about that. You didn't know her name until after Monday when she ended the mask mandate on national transportation, federal transportation. That's Judge Catherine Kimball. Is it Mazel? Mizel? Mizel? Mazzelli? Don't, don't ask Gabe. Mazzelli? No. The federal She's judge. She's a Covenant gra- graduate, by the way. Well, okay, yeah. that's something good yeah. that comes from Covenant. The federal judge from Florida seems like everything good is coming from Florida, right, Jerry? Uh, in her ruling. <laughs> is that why they kicked him out? <laughs> <laughs> He's no good anymore. <laughs> in her ruling, Judge Mazzell adopted a narrow interpretation of the authority Congress granted to the CDC to issue rules aimed at preventing the interstate spread of communicable diseases. The law says that the agency may tuck may the op, the law says the agency may uh, take such measures as it deems necessary and provide a list of examples like sanitation. Hmm. The judge wrote that this power was limited to things like cleaning property, <laughs> not requiring people to take hygienic steps. Quote: If Congress intended this definition, the power bestowed on the CDC would be breathtaking. Yeah. And it certainly would not be limited to the modest measures of sanitation like masks. If the government's broader interpretation of the agency's powers were accurate, she added, the CDC would require businesses to install air filtration systems, <laughs> mandate the people would take vaccines, or even require, you know, coughing into the elbow at and taking daily vitamins. That's yeah, funny. And it's funny. She said that in her argument. That's what she said in her her fifty nine wow. page argument. Almost immediately, though, airlines, the TSA, and the whole transportation industry took off their mask and began to party. There's videos all over YouTube of this. Yep. The same people, by the way, who were yelling at you on flights to pull up your mask and kicking you off flights because your mask was below your nose, and and they started taking all theirs off. And they start tossing them into the trash immediately. That's funny. Think about this for a second. People went to the airport with a mask on, went through security with a mask on, boarded their flights with a mask on. Uh And and then they were mid-flight when they heard (laughs) about this with their mask on. And pilots, they started crying. They were so happy that their faces were exposed again and they could see faces of other human beings. I want to ask you, what's changed? Did the science change? Did COVID fall out of the sky and die at the moment that the judge said no more mask? Mid-flight, did the air purify itself upon the ruling of the Florida judge? It's amazing. We all wanted the mask off. We all knew that they didn't do anything at all. And we, we all knew that it was a power play. And we all went along with it. Yep. So here's the question that I want to ask. Mm-hmm. I think we need to pump our brakes and say... Have we learned anything? Or what is it that we haven't learned yet? Did you hear Fauci? Did you hear I, heard, Fauci? I heard Fauci, no. yeah. Fa- 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 what did he say? I didn't. Fauci's response was the CDC needs to be given the authority by law to mandate these things so that we don't have to worry about politics anymore. We don't have to worry about laws. They, he says Oof. we need to be given absolute ultimate authority. Do you, do you think we've learned our lesson in such a way that the – because right now the no. – um, the government is trying to figure out, the Department of Justice is trying to figure out how to repeal this, right? So do you think that we've learned our lesson in such a way that if they repeal this, will we put our masks back on? Do you, do you think I'm still driving in an RV? Yes, yes you are. Uh, you know why? Because it's going to be back. Because nothing has changed. There's, yeah. you, you, know why, you know why this happened? Other than a Trump-appointed judge? Yeah. November of 2022. Yeah. The, peop, the, the people globally who are behind this push 
to uh, establish this this totalitarian technocracy that is based upon making sure they got your bloodstream and they've got your identification, they know where you are at all mm -hmm. times. They haven't given up. Yeah, They're just concerned about one thing. What happens if there is a huge lurch to the right yeah. in the elections in 2022 in America? We slow everything down for them globally. Right. So the Democrats know we are in deep trouble. Mm -hmm. You know, unless they can can steal more elections really, really fast, they're in deep trouble. And so the idea is it's still six months out. Mm -hmm. How long is the collective memory of the American populace? Not it long. It ain't six months it, anymore. Not long, nope. So you, you take the pressure off for a few months, they forget about it, and the lurch to the right isn't nearly as far. Right. And then as soon as it's, it's, it's over with, you reconsolidate your position and you press forward. And the mandates in the future will not be masks. They will be the vaccine mandates, not just these mRNA vaccines and things like that. Isn't this what we were talking about the last time? That that you guys we, okay, we got, so we got into new world just, order just, a little you're bit. Just trying, you're just trying to blame yeah. me for this. We're, not, we're, we're no. not on YouTube anymore, so that's what we did too. <laughs> we're so, spending till so, May. So. But, but right now, obviously, I don't know if you saw it, but there was a major, major, I think it was, was it Denmark? Did a major study on the mRNA vaccines. And the results in males, especially of myocarditis, pericarditis, et cetera, et cetera, the, the documentation is getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. It's not going to make a bit of difference because wow. this is how once they have your bloodstream, mm -hmm. they have you. Yeah, that's all there is to it. So everybody is like, oh, this is exciting. And, I, and I'm it's, we're going to go back. So you're going to start flying again. Right. And I'm like, nope. Yeah. Why, Why, not? It, Why uh, not? Well, because it's temporary. Wasn't it uh, the, the World Economic uh, Forum, yes. one of their uh, speakers? Yuval um, Noah Harari. He said, he said um, that we are, we've gotten the surveillance outside of the skin figured out. We want surveillance in, under the skin now. If you haven't read mm -hmm. Harari's works, I challenge you to do so. I'm working on them. There's over 40 hours uh, in Audible. <laughs> yeah. So wow. I've been sort of busy doing other things. Uh -huh. But do you know anything about this guy? No, I don't. I just Jewish. Atheist, mm -hmm. homosexual. Okay. What a cocktail. And the, the res what this man is literally saying, he's taking, he's, he's taking naturalism and Darwinism to its ultimate end. He's saying, look, we've gone as far as natural selection can take us because of our medicines now. We're allowing people who beforehand should have died. They're not dying as fast as they should have. Right. And so we're sort of short-circuiting natural mm -hmm. selection. Mm -hmm. So the next step is genetic engineering, bioengineering, uh, the, the uh, ability to connect. And this is something Elon Musk isn't actually involved with, too. Uh, the yep. ability to connect your brain directly yeah. to yeah. the Internet. Yep. And, you know, we already do you see the uh, debate I did with the atheist with the uh, which one? The antifreeze. No. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. He is a doctor. He developed what they call the Luke hand, uh -huh. where it's a it's a hand that your brain controls and you can feel with it. Uh -huh. You can you can change. Like if if this was an egg, you'd have to be you know pick it up very, very touch. carefully. Uh -huh. If it's a brick, then uh -huh. you, harder. Uh -huh. You can do all that with your mind now. Wow. Okay, mechanically. So you ramp that up and make it bigger. And he's saying this is we have to hack human beings. Wow. And his whole thing is it needs to be intelligent design, not some God above the clouds that doesn't exist. Right. But we need to intelli intelligently design mm -hmm. the next superhumans. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be the next, the next step. His last book, I think, was called uh, Deus Homo, the God Man. And wow. this is the chief scientific advisor for the World Economic, for the world economic yeah, Forum. That's right. So we got some bigger lessons to learn before we even start talking about masks. Jared, last word on this. Well, it's all fruit. So you're right. Nothing has changed. I mean, I, I thought for a moment when they made the announcement, maybe the virus died. <laughs> I thought that was, I thought you asked what changed me. I think that, I think at the minute they decreed the, the virus died, right? Well, that does map on to the way that we think. So we're secular humanists. So man controls reality. Man has announced to you that, you know, you're free and clear. So take off your mask. Um, but as James said, they're probably going to turn that around and tell you to put it back on in a minute. So yeah. you is might want to buy a trailer. It's absolutely <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, <laughs> We're all well, going to be living like, in trailers and now. If, and if you need any <laughs> advice, just uh, give me a call. Oh, man. All this right. is all, it was never about the science. It was all about the compliance. Mm, and right. watching everybody yank off their masks. It's just like, you're just complying. I don't like you people. I want hope. I want us to learn some Look. lessons. And Let's I want get us there. not to repeat Let's that. Get you, there. Want, you want hope? 
the, the, it's like what I just said. When people start resisting because they have the right reasons for resisting, that's just, I don't like it. But because I recognize what you're doing to me, I recognize what you're going to do to my kids and to my grandkids. Okay, hold on. Wait, we'll there talk about that next on Cross Politic. Can the gospel save America? Home. It's where you build your legacy, where traditions are started, seeds are planted, meals are shared, and stories are told. We are Chris and Natalie Carpenter, owners of Story Real Estate, and our team of top agents helps people find homes in Moscow, Idaho, and around the country. Have you thought about a move? Contact us to get connected with a top agent who shares your values and puts your family first. Or reach out to us about our Moscow Relocation Guide. Wherever you're looking to go, we can help you find home. Call us at Story Real Estate or visit us at storyrealestate.com and start building your legacy. Welcome back to Cross Politic. I always feel weird doing like Knox's or Toby's job. It's Toby's job to this welcome everybody back. This is Toby's job. I don't, I don't like it. But hey, we're going to be in Arizona on May 19th with uh, Pastor Jeff Durbin and Delano Squires. Yes. Um, the last stop in our Liberty Tour, May 19th. Yep. You go to fightlaffeast.com, uh, click on the shop button to sign up. And, and he may even be able to get to hang out with James White if James comes and fellowships with us at our pre-event and other stuff that we got going on. Him, May 19th, you're invited. You're invited. I'm Go invited. baptize your kids if you have children. He can't, he can't hear that. I don't even he can't know. hear that. I can hear it. Oh, he does? Well, you can't, well that's right. You got stuff stuck yeah, in here. Yeah, yeah. I can hear it. And that button just hit itself. It sure yes, did. Yes. That's funny. He it did. evolved. He did hear it. This, this segment is brought to you by our national conference. It's going to be in Knoxville, Tennessee, October 6th to the 8th. The theme of this year's conference is lies, propaganda, storytelling, straight edge, everything that Dr. White's getting at. Mark your calendars for October 6th through 8th as we fight, laugh, and feast with fellowship, beer, and psalms. Can, can Baptists do that with us? Our amazing lineup yeah. of speakers, hanging with our awesome vendors, meet new friends, and more. Early bird tickets are on sale until June 1st. Club members, you get a $100 discount off, so make sure you join the club and you get that discount. You can go to fightlefties.com. Again, click on shop, find the conference, and... and you know, sign up. We'll see you there. Knoxville. Yeah, Doc, so here's one of the things that you said in the first segment. I wrote it down because I didn't want to lose it. When we were talking about that, Gabe said, hey, our forefathers, your, uh, y'all, God is here. And you said, well, it started before Bonson. And yep. you said there was this divide between us that we felt like we can do our thing over here with Christian and the government would do its mm -hmm. thing and we'd be fine. And those two would kind of go simultaneously together. It would work. My question was, why was it that they abdicated the authority of Christ to the federal government or to the civil magistrate, why was it that their rule, they didn't have a concept that God's rule applied to the civil magistrate? They didn't have a concept that God's, the gospel was broader than just salvation? What Have you ever read the fundamentals from which the term fundamentalism comes from? I don't think I have, no. Okay, they, they are a series of tracts written in response to the rise of liberalism in the United States. And there's always been liberal movements, but especially mainstream denominations heading to the left. And what happened in the fundamentalist movement was a reaction against that. And part of what they saw in liberalism was a form of postmillennialism. Yeah, a, a flawed form. A flawed form, yeah, yeah. an unbiblical form. With no gospel. A, a disconnected form, yeah. but that's what they saw. Yeah. And so they retreated back in reaction, fundamentalism is a is fearful reaction to what you don't understand or what challenges uh, problems in your own theology. Hmm. Okay, mm. and so they saw these people talking about, you know, Christ and the culture and stuff like that, and then they they're not changing hearts. They're not they're not bringing the full gospel to bear, et cetera, et cetera. And so there's a, there's a, a drawing back, and that's that's the world. We're not a part of that. We're in the church, and it become, the gospel becomes completely spiritual. Yeah. And so that was what my parents were raised with, and that's what I was raised with because that's what they were raised with. Um, and now we know, you know that was the myth of neutrality. It, 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 it really fundamentally undercuts the application of the entirety of the— what, what authority did Christ have? Well, it's all in heaven. <laughs> you know, and, <laughs> right. and, and, and whatever right. authority you give him by making him lord of your life type of right. situation. Um, but yeah, my generation, we, uh, we were getting along with the world. We had, Hey, I was, I lived during Ron Reagan's years, man. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. And, uh, wow, it was flying it was, high, it, flying high. Yeah. It was great. The government's never going to, never going to have any, we're not going to make problems with the government and the church. We're good. You know, mm -hmm. we just need to focus on our little things and we lived in the myth of neutrality and now we're paying for it. What, what you just described there was a Gnostic gospel. Uh, in a, <laughs> in the sense that. It is spiritual without application to the mm -hmm. real world. Yes. Mm -hmm. 
Um, yeah. I have to deal with Gnosticism a lot, so I have to be more, a little bit more careful as to the exact definitions of it. Mm -hmm. Because if we started talking about that right now, your eyes would roll. Yeah, I, yeah. real Gnosticism is will will actually make your brains melt out of your ears. It's it's just amazing stuff. We tend to use the term of anything that's somewhat dualistic. Yeah, where we separate God's mm -hmm. creation. Um, physically and from the what spiritual, from the spiritual, mm -hmm. um, the Gnostics did that, but they did it for a whole lot of really weird reasons. But here's a little bit of the trouble with what you said, James, because when I think back to that generation, um, and then I think about what what has happened really in the last three years with COVID, with Black Lives Matter riots, all of that, and then the conservative evangelical response to that, even the conservative reformed evangelical response to that, I'm suspicious that we actually still have the same convictions that we did back in the generation that you're talking about. Because the defense that happened was, uh, you have now told me at my church that I have to wear a mask. You have now told us at our church that that we can't do this or that. And that's when people bucked up. Uh, people bucked up when they said, you're not gonna come into the, to the house of the Lord and tell us you have to do this or that. And you can still say that operating on the same principles you talked about. Mm -hmm. Because it's not the Lordship of Christ over the whole over right. the whole lot. It's just the Lordship of Christ over my church. And mm -hmm. you can still have the myth of neutrality. So in here, in the church, it's not neutral. Right. In my soul, it's not neutral. Right. Uh, you know, in, in heaven, it's not neutral. Mm -hmm. But on earth, outside of the church, and corporately, you can still, you can still buy into the myth of neutrality and kick hard when the government comes to tyrannize you and your local body. Mm -hmm. And the trouble is, it's like the mass thing from the last segment. We're on the back end of it now. I think it's kind of it is dying down. I think it's going to fluff up again. Praise the Lord, because you actually want it to fluff up. You don't want it because then you know where people stand. Mm -hmm. and, and we're on the back end of it now. And I think there's a lot of conservative evangelicals that say, "Look, we've we've stood really firm." But I'm like, <laughs> eh, I think you actually still have the same convictions. Mm -hmm. You yeah. haven't actually learned your lesson. You don't sure. think it's been cleaned out? I'm sorry. What are you going to say, Doc? No, I, no, it's right. That's what I was saying. I'm looking for the the telltale signs that even the big names that. You know, you know, we'll hear them say things on social media and we're like, yeah, great. But then you dig in a little bit farther and you realize they don't have the right motivations for what they're saying. Mm -hmm. And that means when the pressure comes back, they're not going to be standing firm. Like Elon Musk buying Twitter uh, and everybody's yeah, yeah, praising I mean, that, right? Like, yeah. I, I mean, I would I would love to see Elon Musk buy Twitter just for the fun. Yeah, I mean, right? I mean, <laughs> the exploding just for the sport, just enjoying. for the sport. Yeah, I, you know, yeah. Doc, I, 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 for me, I think about it like I want the uh, feminist movement to have a fight with the trans movement, and I want them to well, have a, I, I, but not, <laughs> not not enough, not enough. I want them yeah. to completely <laughs> go at it and yeah. destroy each other. Have you, you talked know? to J.K. Rowling recently? <laughs> 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 because no, she would tell canceled. you, oh, we've, we're doing the fighting. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. no. The way the feminists fight Christians and the way they're fighting the trans movement has been two different ways. Yeah, that's right. And so that's I want right. to see them fight the trans movement the way that they've been fighting the patriarchy. Yeah. And yeah. so when I, when they do that, then I'm going to be like, oh, okay, way to go. They ain't, they ain't brought out, took off the gloves yet and decided to fight in the same way. So that's how I look at Elon Musk and Twitter. I'm like, you know what? Y'all have at it. <laughs> but what's bothered me, though, is that I've seen the evangelical church or Christians be like, yay, free speech. And it's like, you know that this will be a curse to you, right? A person that praises free speech apart from the God who gives mm -hmm. you free speech, the blessing that you want, if you, if you make that the God, that becomes the curse, mm -hmm. right? And so you have to have an objective standard beyond that for you to get the very thing that you think you want, right? And I love how Ben Merkel says it. The thing that you have, the thing that you want, you need to sacrifice it on the altar. And it's amazing how many times over and over God gives you that thing back better than you even right, thought right. he could, that's right? right. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we need to do. So here's, here's a question I have right now because we know what the mess is. Now let's put the gospel in the machine and let's model out what does it look like for the gospel to actually operate in the current situation we're in and how does it get inside of the loaf that's right. yep. to start changing? Because mm -hmm. look, the church and the home are the culture builders, mainly the home. And the church is the moral objective standard of what God requires, teaches man, they teach their families and it bleeds out. And to, how do we get the right thing inside of the family, inside of the church, so that we start seeing the landscape a little different and it starts changing the world that we're in? Or can we do that? Well, you know, one thing that has happened that has really encouraged me actually is the massive growth in homeschooling. Mm -hmm. Because what has been the most effective way of utterly decimating the family and the next generation and its ability to think critically and everything else has been the public education yeah. system. I mean, that, we just handed our children over to Caesar and he turned them into the pagan Romans that we expected him to, to do it. And so 
I, the, the huge growth. I mean, a, an entire uh, homeschool uh, curriculum center has opened up right next to my office. Okay. And I'm watching these families coming in and out mm. uh, day and, you know, all during the day. And I'm, I'm going, man, there are a lot of people that are really doing this. They're, yep. they're, they're going for it. And that's in the family. That's at that level where you can start. And look, most of them are Christians, but not all of them are. Yeah. But once you get them out of that constant exposure to, to the insanity that you are an accident, yeah. you, are, you are not created by God, you are an accident, you have no intrinsic meaning, it went, you're just a, a, a ugly bag of mostly water, is my mm -hmm. Star Trek favorite uh, line along those lines. Moist robots, whatever terminology you want to use, stardust, all the rest of that stuff, that's what they're, that they're, they're being told. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you saw the... Um, um, what's the black lady that um, everybody loves to hate right now? She's a conservative. Cadence, Karen. Uh, oh, okay. Candace, Candace Owens. Candace Owens, thank you. Yeah. Um, uh, Candace Owens was in California talking about the the bill that they're, I don't know if they've passed the or passing. bill. Infanticide. And these people are going, well, yeah, that, that makes sense. One guy's going, I think you should be up to 10 months. Yeah. You should have yeah. up to 10 months to, saw to kill your oh. kid and stuff like that. And we're looking at that just going, how do you get that turned over to your sin? You know, we're looking at those people just going, and need to realize, but for the grace of God, go we. Um, but we're looking at that and we're, we're wondering, what is, how did, how did that happen and happen so quickly? It happened through the educational system. And so if we can get back to where we are now proclaiming to families, teach your children about their intrinsic worth, who they are, who made them, then you've got a basis for talking about what our responsibility for God is. But right now, you talk to anybody in our world? How can you talk to them about the authority of God's law if there is no lawgiver? Mm -hmm. how, right. can, how can you use right. Jesus' clear teaching in Matthew chapter 19 that we are made male and female if the first words Jesus says is, is the creator from the beginning made the, There's no creator anymore. Right, right. right. You've yeah. got to start that, down there at that level. At pantheism or paganism, where there is no creator, there's no distinction between creator and creature, is a huge problem. And then in addition to that, you, you've worded this segment well by saying, can the gospel save America? I think if you were to line up all of the conservative reformed evangelicals even that, that, that chafed under, under the mask mandates, that perhaps even threw down on the mat and have, and have had their ministries really flourish because of their, their mm -hmm. strong stand. Yeah. And you put that question on the test. That's the question. Can the gospel save America? That, that's one question on the test. The other question is, can the gospel save individuals? 100% mm -hmm. of them are going to answer yes to the gospel can save individuals. Mm -hmm. But there is going to be a significant portion of them that say, what do you mean? Why does America, who is America? Why do it need saving? What do you mean yeah. saving nations? What do you mean mm -hmm. baptizing nations? Mm -hmm. uh, what do you mean discipling nations? What do you mean? <laughs> this sounds like, yeah, this sounds I, like maybe 500 club stuff. This sounds like maybe this, you know, they're going to, they're going to. 500? 700 club? 700 club. Who's yeah. the, who's the, who's Seven, the, um, Robertson, who's the old school people that thought, you know, we're going to really do great. That nobody remembers right, yeah. evidence by Seven, my statement. 700 Club. I, was, I, was, I thought maybe they're Pat Robertson? Off or something. They, they, <laughs> yeah, they're going to think, oh, or they might think, um, who's the guy in Texas with the big the big Baptist Jeffries? church? Yeah, Jeffries. Yeah. Actually had a song, you know, Make America Great Again, oh, yeah. sung so by the bad. choir. Yeah. Right, so with, bad. The with all, flag. The, all the flags. Yeah. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of people going that way. Uh, there's going to be instincts that are that are individualistic and that have that latent Gnosticism or hey, physical things are bad and you can't be you can't be talking about the gospel actually saving um, saving America, and that doctrinal reason is why we're in the mess we're in, why we're going to keep being in the mess that we're in. The, the the pulpit leads the world is what Melville said, and if your ministers are not clear on the gospel of Jesus Christ and and what it does and any temptation to talk of any way of talking about it as saving america is they're going to feel like as a threat to it saving individuals let, let me throw a, a hand grenade into the middle oh i like Please. those Do it. <laughs> well look i i chafe a little bit at the can the gospel save america as if america has some standing more than canada or mexico or sweden or anything like else. manifest destiny kind of thing. um the question the question should be can the gospel save any repentant nation? And the answer is yes. Mm -hmm. But really, I step back and I go, can I think of any nation, maybe, maybe England comes close, that has had as much light as we have? And would there be just absolute massive justice 
if God says, you had that much light, look at how you've turned and spit in my mm -hmm. face. Yeah. And so I'm going to make a monument in history. Mm -hmm. I've been to Rome. Ever been to Rome? Yeah, no. Okay. Go to Rome. Look at the Colosseum. Look where they used to kill the Christians. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, it's a... You know, Italy's uh, had uh, how many how many governments just since World War II? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, right, you know, right. it, it it it's not it's not Rome anymore. Right. It, okay, right. that right. that that entire massive system is gone and dead. Yeah, and we can look back and go, "There's the ruins." Right. Would it would the victorious power of the gospel in any way be diminished if God justly punished those nations to whom He has yeah. given such blessing? Mm -hmm. and such light and then he wipes them out yeah because they embraced what you know doug and i were talking about this yesterday i cannot think of a greater enemy to who christ was historically is today what he taught what he stood for than secular humanism even mm. the romans at least believed there was a god right but we have gotten to the point where with this harari fellow we are denying not only the creator, but our own created status and think we ourselves are gods. Right. right. And so if every enemy has to be put under his feet, what's it going to look like when this enemy is put under his feet? Could that not be something that we look back on for generations and go, we'll never go that direction again because we saw what happened. Yeah. You know, one of the things yeah. that I look at, and this is why maybe I'm a little optimistic about this, is I look through the trajectory of American history um, and where we've been at, we've been in some bad places because we act like, oh my goodness, we just got bad. Like we've been in some pretty bad places throughout American history. Yeah. And even, you know, even before, you know, when we were still a colony out here from England, we've, we've had some massive moral failures. And at the same time, God has been very kind to us and bring us to a point of revival and even, and even bring us back to a place where, okay, we, we mature and develop, right? out of that and it's only been because of the gospel or a correction of the gospel or a revival will break out outside of the church because the church is wonky fixes it and the, the revival comes back into the church and we put the fire back in the right place i don't think that we're past that point yet i don't think that we're past the point that if the church would do some some of the more basic things that god would hear from his people and heal their land i believe that's a reality still yep. here in america at this current point my problem isn't so much that the world is acting crazy out there is that we refuse to believe something about the gospel in here. I think we're the faithless ones in the church. So we don't actually believe that the gospel is actually going to do what it says it's going to do. So then we separate ourselves from engaging it in the world. Right. Yeah. So, and, but here's an important point, an important distinction. This is well, I feel like I'm dealing with both of y'all right now. I feel like I got to fight both <laughs> you of y'all right now. No, no, no. I'm just, I'm, I'm clarifying what you said. What you said is dead right. But what some people are going to say, uh, the question is not, um, will the gospel save America? The question was, can the gospel save America? Uh, because, uh, you know, we're not saying that you need to believe that God is actually going to providentially, by God's eternal decree, turn America around. Right. We're, we're not asking that. We're not making that question. We're not saying you have to sign on to that. What we are saying you have to sign on to is the fact that God so loved the world. Yeah that he gave his only son, that, that the son of man did not come to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Mm -hmm. We're talking about something about the proclamation of the gospel, God's gospel, the creator of the world, God's gospel to mankind, that sinners would be saved, that the knowledge of the Lord would cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Mm -hmm. We're talking about the eschatological hope that is associated with God's gospel, with the gospel of his That's son. That's a very important part. And, and yeah. so, so people are going to get hung up and say, well, you're asking me to know, know God's future plan for a distinct nation like James right. was talking about. No, and as James made that distinction, it's very true. The, because the pro, we have to show where the problem really is. The problem is not that you won't believe that God's going to do something in America in 30 years. No, the problem is that you actually don't believe that the gospel saves the nations, that it, that it operates in that way. You don't believe the very great commission that begins with Jesus having all authority in heaven and on earth. Right. <laughs> Hit one of your buttons like Amen. Hey, once, once you touch buttons, I just Pass go, the hey, man. Hey, I saw the, man, the man's touching the buttons. So everybody gets quiet at that point. <laughs> so maybe, maybe the thing to talk about is the last three years, we've had a, a problem between COVID, between the social justice movement. What, do we, what have we learned and what do we need what do we need to know before we engage to bring the gospel to bear on our situation more cross politics coming up next 
Hi, I'm Robert Borton, CEO of Classical Conversations. Our most precious commodity is time. No one has ever lied on their deathbed wishing they had spent more time making money. They all wish they had spent more time creating a legacy. Our modern education system steals that legacy, steals that time from our children. That's why I'm passionate about homeschooling. That's why at Classical Conversations, we want to give you more time to create that legacy, follow your passions, and glorify God. Visit classicalconversations.com for more information. We're just getting right into it. Toby's not here, so I got to read his ad. I know, I know. I don't like reading Toby, ads. Toby's so good at this. Yeah, I don't, he, I don't like it either. Yeah, yeah we should yeah. make Jared or Doctor White. <laughs> we <do> should. <laughs> so I think we is need it, to is it pump. Over there? No, it's not. Oh. It's right here. You want to read have. it? I should have. Here, here. I should have. This show's brought to you by. Here you go. This is a good do one. Do it. Do it. This is this great. Is you like this one? So just. just Are that. we on the dividing no, line no. right now? Are we on the dividing line? I don't do. Uh, but remember, I, I grew up doing He's reading. big time. He doesn't need sponsors yeah. on this show. Yeah, he doesn't need all <laughs> he this. He is the one. <laughs> he goes straight to cameras, what he does. Accountable to you. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. So uh, just Yeah, just read that. Yeah, yeah. All right. You ready? Yeah. We're good? All right. Using a smartphone or computer opens the door to a host of digital temptations. In a world saturated with pornography and other harmful content. What's a Christian to do? I don't know. We need to take a proactive approach because you've taught me to do this, okay? Welcoming transparency in our digital media choices. Mm. And you know what? Accountable to you makes it easy. And you need it to be easy. You really Mm. do. Their their accountability software shares detailed activity reports from all of your devices. And here's the important part. Your kids' devices, if you give your kids' devices. That's the key mm-hmm. issue right there. Mm-hmm. In real time to the accountability partners that you choose, not that they choose for you. Mm. With accountability in place, your family can effectively guard against temptations online and live with purity and integrity. Learn more. Try it free at Accountable to You. It's the number two, not T-W. Yeah. It's accountable number com slash FLF in all capitals. Man. I think we, Pastor Toby just lost his job. Yep, he did. That, that, did that, it? Can you clap? Yeah, there you go. That well well done. Uh, that and, was, you, know, you know you only have 20% left on your battery. So you well, yeah, and you're looking out for my... Look, Doc, you all right. I love you, brother. <laughs> you all right. You all right. You know I love you. Yeah, it's crazy. So I think, I think um, uh, you know, in the first segment, we were kind of talking about can the gospel save America. Um, But really, I think... That's the second segment, actually. That's the second, yeah, yeah. But really, it's, you know, can the gospel... <laughs> Save the church. Um, this last, <laughs> <laughs> these last, these last two, three years have been it has woken up a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Been been crazy. Um, you've kind of seen a new division in Big Eva. You know, before there were certain friends that were tighter than they were. And, you, know, you saw that break up right at the map. The the, 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 the what was it? The doctor. The Johnny Mac letter. John. No, no, it wasn't the letter. It wasn't the the statement on social justice and the gospel. It was when um, they, they released their statement. Shepherd on. conference happened. Yeah, my brother's oh, like he knows what yeah. I'm trying to get. At. Yeah. yeah, were you there for that? Okay, so the shepherd conference happens, and you see all of a sudden guys who have been friends for 20 years. You see an earthquake happen right there in front of your face. Yeah. T4G just said it's just finished its last uh, conference, yeah. like yesterday, yeah. two days ago. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so I think part of this is, you know, what do you think we've learned the last two, two three years? Who's well, we? Um, who's we? I mean, seriously, because, yeah, yeah. because yeah. Mm-hmm. it depends on who you ask mm-hmm. and how they're going to divide the circle as to what I, we I, well, have I, I, I want to start I here. Say who we? I want to know okay. who he is. You, I want to define the. I want to define the community. I want to say Calvinistic, Reformed, Conservative, Evangelicals. Mm. <laughs> Actually, that's I, that's the honey spot. That is the that is you where say, you so want to be. So when you say conservative, you would include in that a strong emphasis upon sola scriptura and the sufficiency of scripture, because unfortunately. That is a dividing line these days. Wow. I, yeah. I, actually, I'm going to ask this question. What have you learned, Dr. White, these last couple of years mm. in relationship to the church, government, COVID? That's good, but well, then he has to answer my question. Well, you've, you've got to understand we'll get, uh, that in, the, in this time period, mm-hmm. I came to transition. I came to maturity in eschatology. Say, okay? um, yeah. And so there's obviously been a major uh, shift uh, there. Mm-hmm. Makes me happy. But, but look, Apologia didn't close down, and mm-hmm. it wasn't because we were smart. It wasn't because we were prophetic. It wasn't because 
we had presuppositional commitments to the nature of the church, worship, mm-hmm, and the mm-hmm, Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. And so we just looked at the numbers and said, this doesn't make any sense. And okay, we were proven right in that mm-hmm. situation. Fine. The Lord sure. was good to us. But it wasn't because we were smart. Well, I think, and mm-hmm. can I add one more thing in there too? It wasn't just the nature of the church. It was the nature of the world. You guys had a robust worldview. So you oh, yeah. Have, oh, yeah. And, that, and, and that's interesting because there were other people that didn't come to post-millennial convictions that also stood very firm. Right. So I guess my I'd be interested to know um, how did you play it differently, and what lessons have you learned that are different than the ones that those those folks have not learned. Well, I'm not sure which folks are referring to, but I know I have plenty of friends that when I came out and said, "Yeah, you know what? This is this is a consistent way of looking at what the future is to be and how it relates to God's purposes in the world and stuff like that." A lot of them were like, oh, great. Now I'm going to have to think about this stuff. So in other words, they were <laughs> yeah. already in a situation where they weren't uh-huh. satisfied uh-huh. necessarily with the answers they were already giving. <sighs> but it was just sort of like, uh, but man, that's a lot of work to do. Yeah. And it's really uncomfortable Duck. and all sorts. What? What? It, it looks, you know what I'm afraid of you right now? You made it burn. You made it burn. I am afraid your beard's going to get stuck in your microphone. <laughs> <laughs> What's stinging? It would hurt less than the what I'm about to say. Okay. But these are the same people who are like the ones who would yell at you for not having your mask up. The same people who went along with everything the government did and they didn't want to, but they did anyway. These are the same people. You mean the people that I'm talking about? Who yes. Was, no, 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 no. These are, these are people who are standing strong, but they sort of felt like they sensed there was an inconsistency. In, your, in, in the post mill or pre mill in, in their theology but, okay. and in their in their being, they there are a lot of pastors who have felt the pressure over the past few years of their people coming to them and looking for answers, and they themselves are searching because we've never faced anything like this before, and so it exposed inconsistencies in the entire theological system, and that has opened an up. Let, let's be honest, there are certain people who have been listened to over the past couple of years that weren't being listened to nearly as much in the years before that. And so there's an opening here and mm-hmm. it's, it's been a positive thing. I, I know, mean, I know it's true. I know you're yeah. right. It, this is what is amazing for me. So when I was working at Wretched with Todd Friel, I was there with him. We would argue for three or four hours a day sometimes about the anomie and God's application. I can see, I can see him doing that. Yeah, we would do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and yeah. he would tease me and push. And there was sometimes we'd have uh, Phil Johnson would be there and then we'd argue about it. And I mm-hmm. remember that they used to go and do a show and you know, I'm a lightweight. These guys are brilliant, man. Great thinkers. And we would have a real argument back and forth and no nothing would be settled. Then they would go do a show and have the show and wouldn't let me argue my position to do it all <laughs> on me, right? And and but now I'm watching, you know, Grace to you and uh this Master Seminary and and John McCarthy and those guys saying going theonomic. Basically stand up and say, <laughs> "Wait a second, there is a difference in the sphere of the sovereignty of the federal government yeah. and a difference in what happens with the church and this one ain't supposed to be engaging me here. Like mm-hmm. you're pressing in on me." Mm-hmm. And so I'm looking at them and saying like, "Wait, that's what the argument that I was making to you 10 years ago." Yeah. And I'm not mad at the fact that they're seeing it. Right. But I'm saying there's but a But are they willing to actually follow it through? But I'm saying it's bigger than just COVID. Oh, sure it is. I'm saying that it transcends the idea. So your church stays open. But you have a bunch of people who are trying to work jobs who still have to face vaccination, mm-hmm. forced being forced to be getting vaccinated, people who are trying to just live in, in the normal world. And it's one thing to open up the church, which you should do. But it's another thing to, to to bring covenant lawsuit against the federal government and say, you can't treat God's people like this. You're a servant of God. You can't act upon people like this. You, a- you asked me what I've learned? Yeah. Uh, remember the SEALs? The Navy SEALs? The Navy SEALs. Yep. And you know who, who stood with them? It was Apologia. Pol- uh, Apologia mm-hmm. did, yeah. And you know that the, the religious exemption uh, article, material, that they submitted to the government in their, in their materials, you know who wrote it? I did. Mm. Now we didn't, you know, say a whole lot about that, but it was it was Apologia that was that was working with them behind the scenes, mm-hmm. and literally Jeff came back from spending like twelve hours with with their leaders, and he's like, I promised that we would we would provide them <laughs> with, a, with a good statement, uh-huh. and I'm looking at Jeff and Zach, <laughs> and, and you're me, gonna write it, <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm like, and when's this due? This was Friday. It was due on Monday, uh-huh. and I'm looking at them going. Is there something else you want to say? <laughs> it's like, yeah, would you do that? Yeah, so, so we did. So the, the point was, you want to know what I learned? I had to, in a, a succinct uh, space, 
express that very relationship between the church and the state mm. from a biblical perspective in regards to medical uh, mm-hmm. intervention, et cetera, et cetera. So that was certainly for me, mm-hmm. that is not how I would have answered even five years ago mm. at all. Wow. Yeah. At all. Mm. So yeah, that, that has provided an opportunity for clarity of thought. And I know I've had lots of people contact me. They got, they got their mandate uh, relief because they use that material. I don't think yeah. it's an accident wow. that the social justice movement comes in, exposes that we don't have a biblical understanding of law. Right. And then we have COVID that comes in <laughs> and yeah. proves it yeah. beyond a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'm saying, okay, now let's have a postpartum on what we've learned. Postmortem. <laughs> I do feel a little postpartum though. Don't you, James? I've delivered too many babies. We need to look at this we're now. We're going to meme that one to death. <laughs> we are so pumped. Yes, that will be mean. Don't, don't do that. Don't listen to Dr. White. But, but now that this is all over, can we look at it and say, what are we, how, do, how do we not ever get in this situation again? Mm. How do we never? do this again what theology do we have to fix I, look it's I don't because we know round three is coming whatever that is we need a good really offense you, yeah. you hey, said round three is coming really hey fast. best defense is a good offense we need to learn to play offense we, yeah. we what's they're, offense they're, uh, well it's actually getting we need to realize that we actually the reformed evangelical evangelicals uh, by and large and reformed evangelicals produced the chaos that happened I really believe facts that. I believe that we we produced um, the environment in which you could have these crazy Black Lives Matter riots. We we produce the environment in which you could have people going woke. Right. I yeah. point, I've said this yeah. a number of times, but you have you have a lot of guys that love Jesus that wanted to go change the city. They wanted to go change yep. things. You had certain kind of dispensationalist instincts from others that said you shouldn't be out there anyways. You know, don't go out there. Gospel's got nothing to do without that, that yeah. out there. And so they went they went woke. Um, we need we we produced these kind of things. And so just because like, you know, you birthed the baby and it was something you didn't like. You rejected it hard. Yeah, postpartum. Fo- you, following the postpartum. <laughs> following, <laughs> staying with the, <laughs> staying with the motif. Uh-huh. Um, we, Thank you for saving we, me. You're welcome. Um, so, okay, just just because that's gone, what are you going to do now, right? I believe that we're going to face seven more demons, more wicked mm. than intersectionality. Mm. Uh-huh. And right now, even the people that stood strong, I'm talking about conservative, reformed evangelicals, uh-huh. the people that stood strong, what are they doing? Well, they're sweeping the house. And they're garnishing the house, uh-huh. and, it, and it, you're gonna. You, if you don't replace this, if you don't deal with the underlying doctrines that were there, law is one, um, lordship of Jesus Christ is another. You need yeah. a robust Kuyperianism going Offices. on. That's another one. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's spheres. There's, this yeah. this uh, sphere sovereignty. This yeah. whole issue of creator creature distinction is one. And actually, I think Peter Jones' uh, twoism uh, is remarkably helpful here. Eschatology is one. Um, understanding what does it mean that God does deal with corporate. Entities. What are those corporate entities, and how does God uh, how does God deal with them? There's a host. There's a host of doctrines that we need to uh, deal with, and if we don't actually, as the church, teach those doctrines, believe those doctrines, embody those things, then we're going to be up the creek. Am, am I? Uh, there's a lot. Why is eschatology so important? Because I remember. 15, 20 years ago, there was eschatology was looking like, you know what? It's just out there. It's, it's okay. Secondary doctrine. It's, 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 it's not a big it's, deal at yeah. all. But the more that I've come to understand eschatology, I'm finding that the eschatology is directly connected to the gospel. Yep. Directly connected to the. Oh, oh you well, agree certain, with that? Well, certain forms of it are. But see, so that's why I became postmillennial, is because I realized I had been putting it off on the side. I had been treating it like that way, and it was wrong my entire adult mm. life in ministry. I did that. And then I came to realize when you understand, when you look at, at, at Psalm 2, Psalm 110, Isaiah 42, 1 yeah. Corinthians 15, you see that, that it's all tied into the entire purpose of the triune God, right. then you can't have it as something that's over there. It's actually essential to this, this entire definition here. Right. It, it, it makes a huge, huge difference. But you don't want my sermon as to what we really need to be doing now. You no, I do. You, that's you exactly that's, what that's we're doing. We're going. You know, you, no, you don't. I'm going to tell you because you're going to make me beg because what do you got to do here? Offer fun, everybody grab fundamentally, your fun because fundamentally what uh, I've been preaching this to myself for a long, long time. Every time I think about the difficult times that could come and the challenges that could come, what is the only, and I've, I think I've even told you last time we were on, what is the only power that the world has over any one of us? 
is how much we love the things of the world. So why is it that we can't get all the Christians to pull together and do the right thing? Because we want our stuff and we want our comforts and we want our houses Mm -hmm. and and our full bellies. The pleasures of Egypt. The pleasures of Egypt. Oh, we. And we've forgotten the clear, simple statement of scripture. Mm. If you love the things of the world, the love of the Father is not in you. Mm -hmm. And so the power they have over us is to threaten our full bellies and our consistency of life and our nice cars and our Mm -hmm. comforts and and our bank accounts and our retirements and things like that. And as long as we still love those things, we'll, we'll we'll not get anywhere. And that's something that well, like that applies to, especially to to Christians by and large, and a ton of our our leadership. Um, <laughs> there was a time when um, you could you could you could get some things of the world if you were kind of semi semi woke semi semi intersectionality, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then there was a strong movement that just blasted that thing into oblivion, where if you were a leader of some kind of institution, some kind of organization, it then became uh, very disadvantageous to be for those things. You, If you were going to keep the things that you wanted to keep, you now had to be anti-woke, anti. Uh, I, I wrote this somewhere that, you know, Eric Mason wrote his book, Woke Church, mm-hmm. and, and, yeah. and made, you know, ton, that hot seller, right? And, and now um, you could sell a lot of copies of anti-woke church. Yeah, right. you that, can make you can make a lot of money off anti woke. Right? Well, yeah, we've seen a lot you, of people. You could, you, it would sell like hotcakes. Yeah. Yeah, right? Even, even you, Kevin DeYoung just came out and anti woke now. You, Thanks, selling, Kevin. Okay. But here's what I'm saying: there are certain doctrines and certain practices. There's a certain philosophy of ministry. There's a certain way of Christian living. There's certain decisions that many fathers and mothers, I think, all over the nation right now, Christian fathers and mothers are trying to make. Where should I be? What should I do? I'm certain. I'm seeing certain things in the Bible, and to follow what you're seeing, to follow Revelation will be terribly costly. It will be terribly costly. You're going to lose things, right? And that's going to be more than just saying I'm against, I'm against social justice. Um, and so to your point, you're dead right, James. It's going to take courage to say, this is what God's revealed, and I'm going to follow what God's revealed, mm-hmm. even if it's going to be very, very painful and, and very, very costly. So, so say I've already assessed that situation and I'm in. Now what? Now <laughs> what? I'm in. I think... I think a lot of Christians have already decided that who are the ones who I'm seeing now are saying, okay, I never want that again. All right, Lord. Okay. First Corinthians 10. I get it. I don't want to be like those folks who tempted the Lord in the wilderness and he killed them. I don't want to be like them. I'm seeing that that was close the yeah. last three years. Yeah. So I can now t- I can tell you exactly what you're going to need to do. You're going to need to find a, a Christian community that is committed to the kind of doctrines and practice that we've been talking about in this very place. And I'm not saying that you need to leave where you're at. You either need to build it where you're at, or you need to find other Christians that are doing it and go among them. You, if you don't deal with the root, you're not going to get the fruit. You simply are not going to be able to paste the apples onto this tree. If you yeah. remove the organ and demand the function, you're not going to get anything. You have to have the, you have to have the right ingredients in the kitchen. So a ministry like Apologia down there and all the work that they're doing, what's going on right here in Moscow, um, Vody Bakum, you know, um, Vody Bakum uh, going to Zambia, you know, think about that for a moment. Here is this major figure, uh, full of wisdom, gets it, understands it. And he's like, well, I'm going to go to, I'm going to, things are, you're missing so many he ingredients so here. I'm going to go over to Zambia <laughs> where I can build it because you actually don't have what you need here in the kitchen to do what needs to be done in this moment. So mm. for all of these families, you're seeing doctrines, you're seeing truths, you're reading the signs of the times. You have to be willing to actually follow it. Don't just yeah. follow it in your head. Mm-hmm. Don't just follow it mm-hmm. in heaven. Like, yeah. do it. So wh- where are the people that believe the same things as you? Get together with them and actually live out the principles that you're getting from listening to Fight, Laugh, Feast. I talk to people all the time about this. I mean, and I've had other leaders tell me they're at the Fight, Laugh, Feast, and like some of these people are going to be stuck. Some of these people are getting they're getting resources. They're getting an ethos. They're getting an aroma of things. But then they go home, there's nothing there. They go home, and it's not there. Mm-hmm. Right. And they have families. And you can't get it online either, by the way. Just That's right. You can't case. get it online. Yeah. Yeah. And so they're, they're looking around, and they're thinking, what do I do? I, 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 want, I have this hope, and I have a hope now for my children. But what's the pathway? And, and they see, maybe that's some doctrinal differences. Maybe that's some philosophy differences. Maybe that's just we're going to live in a different way. And you've got to actually have 
have the courage to face up to that Red Sea and say God's going to open it up. Yeah. You can't. You can't remember Lot's wife is yeah. what I would tell a lot of people that have tapped into so many good resources. Apology in Moscow, all of that. Mm-hmm. Remember Lot's wife. You have to follow it and live it out. You have to find the other saints and, and do it. There's there's no way to short circuit this kind of thing. Doc, I, th- I think we're um, called to. Uh, one of the things that we don't want to do is actually really present our lives as a living sacrifice to God. And we don't want to do that in, in the real... It's hard work. It's hard work. It's, hard it's work. real tangible. So I agree with you about community, finding good communities, all that. But the um, what does it mean to present your life as a sacrifice, living sacrifice before the Lord here and now? Uh, no one... Where you're at. Where you're at as a dad. Where you're at as a mother. You know, where you're at as, as a community person in your community. You know, we don't we don't want to go through the hard work of actually dying uh, in letting God return to us something more glorified than what we need to be doing. You know, um, and that should pra- that should be that should come out so practically in our lives. And that's why I'd say, you know, kind of this this past ten years, no one really wanted to present their lives as a living sacrifice in in the church. They wouldn't. They didn't want to have the uncomfortable conversations with well, each other. They didn't want to have the uncomfortable disagreements the, the with spirit, each other. The spirit wasn't gone, but the fact of the matter is, God mm-hmm. has providentially brought things into our lives as the church as a whole to cause us to recognize the sinfulness mm-hmm. of sloth, of friendship with the world, mm-hmm. of the myth of neutrality, mm-hmm. uh, all of these things. And I'm the only, I think I'm the only person at the uh, table that is a grandfather. Am I correct about you that? You better be. That, that, that's true. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, excuse me, excuse me. You I, know old, I know how old our kids are. I'm just saying. <laughs> Give us some time. Give just, us some time. Just, just checking. It wasn't checking, on you. That was you know, about us. Just, you know. um, yes. Well, yeah, because uh, I'm coming uh, next, this is this coming June, just a matter of weeks. Uh, my wife and I have been married for 40 years. Man, mm-hmm. praise God. Um, and... When you have grandkids, it changes everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Changes it. Getting married, that's the first big maturity step. It's a big one. Kids, you don't know what you're oh, doing. good grief. You got to change those diapers at 2 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Big maturity thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I have actually baptized two of my, my grand, grandkids on faith, just Could like the New earlier. Testament says. But anyways. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then when your babies have babies, mm. all of a sudden mm-hmm. you find yourself in that scene in the Lion King, you know, with the circle of life, you start seeing <laughs> beyond just you and that you're something, you're part of something much bigger. You, you're looking ahead and you're looking behind. You're thinking about your grandparents. Now you're thinking about your great grandchildren yeah. down the other direction. And that, that has been the biggest change for me. And so when you say, what should you be doing? Well, one of the biggest things is first of all, did I, so into my own children in such a way that they are going to be passing this on mm-hmm. as a precious gift to their children. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. You've, you, you know I'm just Summer's dad, so you know that at least there's that element that's already there. And she's doing a wonderful job as a, as a homeschooling mom and, yeah. and everything else she's doing. It's wonderful. Um, but then you look at those kids and, you know, the state, the state comes for them. Um, I'm the first one putting yeah. putting myself six feet under, stopping that from happening. Right. You better right. believe it. You yeah. Better, yeah. You do and, it. And sowing in that way requires an eschatological hope. Right. And, and the threat is, because of how tumultuous things have been, the tendency, I think, for the older generation, maybe still watching their Fox News, younger generation, they're watching their Daily Wire or they're watching Cross Politic. They're, they're seeing what's happening, but then they feel the it, tyranny of the urgent times infinity, right? Yeah, I'm so yeah, yeah. stressed out. I'm yeah. so, I've got a, I've got a hope in man. If I can just get the right man elected, I'll go spend my whole right. life trying to do that. Right. And right. you're neglecting these children that are right in front of you right. or oh. your children's children right. to oh, a thousand sorry. generations. you right. You see, it yeah. was, uh, you're not actually fearing God and doing the daily work you need to do to sow in. That takes faith. Yeah, that you're, you're not going to be faith. around much longer to do much, but they are. So yeah. where's, where's the real profitable place to be working? You know, yeah. there's another thing that's, that's a preceptional, a preception, uh, well, I can't talk. You guys postpartum. got me so... When Dr. White shows up, I get nervous, uh, man. It's just a thing. I know. Anyway. So nervous you uh, have babies. A presuppositional thought here, though, is that you got to remember that the kingdom of God is a real place. The gospel accomplished something mm-hmm. r- really in time and space. Yeah. And th- these kings that are ruling now, they're, they have a kingdom over them. And they're only sitting in representatives of God's kingdom that is actually moving here. In, and in how many of them have ever heard a serious Christian 
prophetic warning to them that made it wasn't done by now. someone with their hair on fire, uh, right. you, you know, not wearing any clothes or something, have right. heard a serious prophetic proclamation to them that you in your position will be judged right. by King Jesus. Right. Yes. And your life is not going to last forever. It's right around the corner. Yeah. We, we are afraid to do that. Yeah. My generation would not do that. Right. Well, because that's, that's, we're faithless. We don't think that God's kingdom is actually ruling and reigning right now. Well, on the right. kingdom point, you know, to jump in, I mean, you talk about a number of doctrines, and I tried to list a no, uh, as many as popped in my mind, but kingdom is another one. I would say, let the reader understand, listening, that you, you pray this every Sunday. So spend a moment, spend, spend more than a moment, considering what it means that the Lord's Prayer says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, on earth as it is in heaven. Um, and we, so you said something that had tons of doctrinal, you know, glacier under, underneath of it. And that's another doctrine that needs consideration. Mm, That's it. (laughs) Just cut them off right there. Cut them off at that glacier. You don't have your earplugs in, but you might want to close your ears. If you're single, get married. If you're married, have kids. And if you have kids, go baptize them until next week. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. This is cross politics. You believe in baptizing kids too, because you've done it, right? Summer's baptized, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah your kids right. are baptized, well, right? Yeah. Grandkids they, being baptized. Lord was gracious to them, and they had faith, and so we followed. The We're Bible. just a little earlier. <laughs> <laughs> when tyrants take over, what's the first thing they do? Disarm. It happened in Russia, China, Germany, and most recently Afghanistan. Why? Because disarmed people are easier to control. And over the last century and a half, American tyrants have been carrying out a slow, methodical disarmament that no one is talking about. State education. Tyrants know that education is warfare. Our rulers have a vested interest in making you totally harmless. They've got big plans and they don't want you getting in the way. Think about it. Would you rather fight an army decked out with high-powered rifles or a bunch of dinky water pistols? They know that if you can think critically, you're a threat. At New St. Andrews College, we want to graduate men and women who are dangerous. Dangerous to the world, dangerous to the principalities and powers, dangerous to spiritual wickedness in high places. Education can either arm you or disarm you. It can make you a threat or make you a useful idiot. (laughs) So where you get that education counts. Click the link to apply to New St. Andrews College today.